Okay, well, if you were here yesterday, uh, I just briefly introduced myself. Now that we've got the uh, recording going, my phone just went off. That's pretty weird. Yeah, my name is Steve Hopper, and I've been a pastor for many different years. We lived in the Central Valley, uh, South Valley particularly. We lived in Northern California for about 20 years, then in Southern California, uh, Central California in the uh, South Central Valley. And just recently, literally a month ago, I moved over to Atascadero, which is down kind of near San Luis Obispo on the Central Coast, and to be closer to our kids that are there, and they wanted us to be closer to them. We have a daughter in San Luis Obispo, too, and and we have a total of six grandkids. Uh, four of them are actually in the area where we've just moved to, and we want to be a support to them and be an encouragement to them. And uh, so it's great being a grandparent. Uh, but there are some who don't have any grandkids that can serve as a grandparent and you know, can kind of be an adopted. Or, so we, want to, we don't want to limit just those of us who biologically have grandkids. Uh, there's things that we can do to encourage others along the way. Well, Yesterday, we got into a number of different roles that we can play as grandparents, and I wanted to just back up and review those real quickly. And for those that weren't here yesterday, if you didn't get the handout, there's an extra handout that's over here. Let me see if I can grab a couple. So if you were not here yesterday, um, okay, maybe everybody's already got one. Here we go, Paul. Thank you. So there were, I think we covered about nine or ten different roles that we can play, and I'm just going to highlight those for just a moment. And then I'm going to uh, add another area we're, we're going to talk about. Uh, one was to be a heritage builder. One of our roles, it talks about in Psalm 71, Psalm 78, places like that where we can pass on our heritage, our faith to the next generation. That that's part of one of the roles that we have. And there's a lot of literature and helpful things out there to help us do that. Family historian, we talked about the fact that there are many people who don't have a story of their past. There's a lot of kids growing up instead of having roots as they say, they have their cut flowers, and uh, they don't realize who the grandparents were, the great-grandparents, or the story, or the heritage, or maybe when their family came to America, or whatever. And so, to pass on a history, to, if you are in an area where you grew up, go by your old house, go by your old school, go by the church where maybe you went, build some of the story, because they need story. A lot of our kids need that. To be a mentor, there's so many just life skills kids don't get anymore. And uh, parents maybe don't have the skills or have the time. Sometimes grandparents have those skills, you know, woodworking out in the garage and, you know, how to make jam and, and how to do th sewing. And there's no more home ec in the schools anymore and wood shop and metal shop and auto shop. And many schools don't have. So, you know, how to do different things, very simple things to be a mentor, to be an encourager, that we should be one of the biggest cheerleaders in their lives, that there are forces out there in our culture, in the media, in the schools, and their peers that are putting each other down all the time, and they really wonder, you know, is there, am I okay? Uh, is there something wrong with me? And they need to know that you're a, a champion of them, and you're there to support them and keep them through the good times and the tough times to nurture, to continue to feed them things. Maybe there's books, maybe there's links on to go to, to spend time nurturing and building rich things in there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, things that are, are true and right and, and, and pure. Uh, the role of offering perspective. You've got some perspective of many years on your odometer that you can look back and help not only the grandkids, but also sometimes your own kids. 
because you've been through it before. Uh, you know, it's so precious, I think, when a new, a new baby is born into a family and to have either maybe grandma or grandpa or both or maybe both grandparents can somehow be involved in helping them when they get home. And this is okay. It's going to work out. We're going to be able to get you through this. Here, let me hold the baby and you go take a nap. Just to have the support and the, the uh, things that you can give to give perspective. And you add that stability in just some of the rocky times that families have and kids have ups and downs. Add that stability. To often fill in the gaps. We talked yesterday that many times... Uh, both mom and dad have to work just the finances of the crazy times that we're in right now. And it's even more, more pressing than it's been in a long time. And to be able to be there, hey, what, I, how about if we help take the kids to school or pick them up or take them to ballet des dance lessons or, or whatever it is, how, you know, to be able just to fill in. And again, we're assuming we're not going to be imposing upon them. We're not going to be running our agenda through their family. You know, hey, how can I help you? What could we help you with this week? What have you got going on? And to be a supportive, uh, to fill in the gaps. And we talked about the prayer warrior. Uh, there's a whole powerful ministry we can have by just faithfully praying. I, I brought along a few things from the Legacy Coalition. I've got some others at home that are in a box um, because of our move, I wasn't able to get them. But this is a little placemat you could put at your table or counter or wherever, and there's a place to pray for different things each day for your grandkids. And you can purchase this on the website of LegacyCoalition.com, and it's got, you know, on Sunday, certain prayer requests. So just a, a number of important things to be praying for your grandkids about, and this is just kind of a fun reminder, but... There's also a great book, um, Grandparenting on Purpose, I think is the actual name of the book, but it's about how to be praying effectively for your grandkids at different seasons of their life. And so the whole idea of praying for them. Well, I wanted to add a couple of more roles uh, that I put on your handout there today. Tim Kimmel is a, he's from uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona. He's a friend of mine. Uh, we were connected with, with the same church down there for, for a time, and he and his wife have had a family ministry for years on parenting, and now they've expanded that into grandparenting as well. And they wrote a book, they've written a number of books on family, but one of the best books, if you want to find just a good book on grandparenting, uh, one of the best out there is called Extreme Grandparenting. And Tim and Darcy Kimmel, it should be in your notes or last yesterday's notes, um, and lots and lots of principles. And I'm going to be quoting several things from him today out of his book. Um, and so there's some good things in there. And one of the chapters they have is on roles that grandparents can play. And I, I wanted to just show you one of those. One is how we can set a standard and be a role model for them in a number of different ways, he says, <clears throat> excuse me, of a con contagious faith, uh, that our faith can rub off on our kids uh, and they, they see us and, you know, God can get us through this and I'm going to pray for you and you try out for the team. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to help you and, and just to be, you know, you can do this. The second one, a consistent integrity. And Tim and Darcy share some examples. By the way, they have a video series of this whole, their, their book that's really, really good. And Tim tells the story of standing in line one time at the movie theater with his grandkids. And the grandfather in front of him in line had several grandkids. And he was coaching each kid to tell them how old you're, this is how old you tell them you are. This is how old you are, right? You're going to be, how old are you? Yeah, good. So the grandparent, the granddad was coaching the kids to tell them what age they should tell the person if they got asked. Um, he goes on and tells another, they tell another story. Uh, Darcy uh, 
you know, frugal young mom takes her kids to the thrift store sometimes to buy clothes. In fact, a lot of teenagers like old stuff. You notice that? You got to have big holes in your knees and all that kind of thing. Well, they're at the thrift store one day, and in the, the, they're in the try-on try room, uh, the, you know, the fitting room or whatever, and they can hear the conversation in the next fitting room. And there's a grandmother in there coaching her granddaughter on which things to pick. And she says, I just can't choose. I want this one and this one. Well, you've got to, I tell you what, you can just put those on underneath your sweatshirt, and then as we leave, we'll just have a few extra things when we go. The grandmother is coaching the granddaughter how to shoplift, basically, is what's going on. So if we expect our kids, our grandkids, you know, to follow the biblical role, we've got to make sure that we're being, have people of integrity. And we've got to set a standard, you know. Uh, there's, there's a great guy, uh, Stu Weber, is a pastor from Oregon, great men speaker, military, Vietnam vet, and talks about playing a, a game with his, one of his grandkids. And they were playing a board game. His little grandkid was there, and he had to go do something in the other room. And when he came back, he noticed the board had changed. And, and he knew what had happened. The little boy had moved some characters or whatever around to, to his advantage. And as he did so... Uh, you know, he came back and realized and talked to his little grandson, and he says, uh, I just want you to know, we Webbers, we don't do that. We don't do that kind of thing. And so this little boy was learning a lesson. This is the standard that we have. We are people of honesty and integrity and those kinds of things. And so, uh, so that's a very important one on there. Practical poise during difficult times that we don't have the huge ups and downs and crazy stuff. We're, we're the stable ones that people can, you know, relate to. Personal discipline. Uh, Tim is concerned that as we get older and maybe some retire and move on and we kind of lose the routines and rhythms of life that sometimes we let our, our habits get down and we don't stay in the Word and we aren't memorizing Scripture and we're not sharing the Lord with others and there's spiritual disciplines that are important for us to keep building into our lives and to do that. A steadfast endurance, that we can be those who are pressing on. I quoted in my handout yesterday, Steve Farrar, great author, great speaker. Uh, down he works with Chuck Swindoll in, in Texas. And he says, he has a book called Finishing Strong. I've got it sitting over here. And he says, it's not how you start. In the Christian life, it's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. And he's got a whole book called Finishing Strong. It was written for men. But there's practical things in there for everybody. But we need to be those that are finishing strong by the grace of God. We can't do it in our own strength and power. We need the Holy Spirit and God's grace to get us through it. But have inspirational courage and stuff as well. And so uh, we, we wanted to highlight a few of those. And, and just to give us today, I'm going to kind of give us some big picture of what's going on in our world and why we are kind of going in an uphill battle, that the culture of what we're trying to talk about doing as a grandparent uh, is really different than what many people in our culture are about. Uh, I came across a few cute things about, well, what is a grandmother? What is a grandmother? Well, a little third grader wrote this description about what is a grandmother? Well, the grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own, but she likes other people's little boys and girls. A grandfather is a man-grandmother. He goes for walks with boys, and they talk about fishing and tractors and stuff like that. Grandmothers don't have to do anything except be there. They're old, and they shouldn't play or run, and, but it is enough for them that they drive us to the market where they have the pretend horse and have lots of quarters ready. And if they take us on walks, they should slow down 
uh, pass things very, that are very pretty and look at the leaves and all the caterpillars, they should never say, hurry up. Usually grandmothers are fat, but not too fat to tie your shoes. They wear glasses. They don't have to be smart. Only answer questions like, why do dogs chase cats? And how come God isn't married? And when they read to us, they don't skip or mind if it's the same story over again. And she says, everybody should try to have a grandmother because they're the only grown-ups who have the time. Another confusing aspect of grandmother being grandparents, a six-year-old was being asked about her grandmother. And uh, she said, well, where does your grandmother live? And she says, oh, I think she lives at the airport. Yeah. When we want her, we just go get her. And when we're done with her, with her visit, we take her back to the airport. So this little kid figured that's where grandma lives. She lives out at the airport somewhere. But in the midst of all of the different things that are happening in our culture, uh, there's many challenges, but also realities related to grandparenting. And somehow we have this picture in our mind. Of course, people that are older are usually older than me, right? I mean, those are the older people, not, not me, of course. But uh, well, what is a, grand, a grandparent? What are our perceptions? Well, many people picture a grandparent. You know, folklore, folklore depicts grandmother as a person who lived a short distance away, bake cookies every afternoon, partly, partly to reward her grandchildren for coming to see her. And, uh, and while that never did represent all of the reality, it was consistent with the image of grandmother as a homemaker. Well, research has shown things have changed a lot since maybe we had that image. It's more likely now that grandmother is employed outside the home. On her way home from her business meeting, she's likely to stop at Starbucks and pull out her smartphone and check her email. Uh, it's likely that she and grandfather are very busy with many interests and travels and hobbies and personal things uh, that maybe more than generations gone by. It's more likely, too, that they're no longer live, we no longer live near our grandchildren. We've talked about several of us have got grandkids that are many, many miles away and some are time zones away. That uh, children move to other cities or states because of jobs. Grandparents move sometimes to the Sun Belt and, and uh, the South and places like that. There was this cute poem that you've probably heard before, but it gets to the end. It says, Grandma now is at the gym exercising to keep slim. She's out touring with the bunch and taking clients out to lunch, driving north to ski and curl. All her days are in a whirl. Nothing seems to stop or block her now that Grandma's off her rocker. So... so. But grandparents are more involved today, many of them, with their, uh, with their grandkids just because of the culture and of life and economics and things like that. Data supports that, uh, as you may have noticed, many of the people picking up children at school are the grandparents because mom and dad are working and they're supporting them by picking them up. Grandparents are more engaged in, in other ways like that. Uh, seniors' health is improving and many have a longer maybe life expectancy in situations. As more and more families have two parents who work outside the home, grandparents are providing more after-school care. Grandparents have new ways to connect with their grandchildren through technology like Skype and FaceTime and uh, Facebook and, and text messaging and, uh, and some of the new technology like that. As a result, one researcher believes that for some of the younger generations, they may have more involvement with their grandparents because of the technology now uh, than than maybe in previous generations. That's still to be seen. 
But how many during the pandemic and everything's shut down and schools are shut down, how many of you use some technology to connect with, with your grandkids or with your family or something, FaceTime or Facebook or Skype or something? Uh, it's amazing how that's kind of opened a new, a new opportunity, especially for those that have a long-distance grandparent situation. Well, Tim Kimmel in his book talks a little bit about how things have changed a lot and, and where we are with, with today. Uh, he says, presently, there are 80 million of us in, of grandparents in the USA alone. A national survey of households indicated the average age of a first-time grandparent is now, anybody want to guess? What's the average age of a first-time grandparent? 47 years old. That's the, that's the average age of a first-time grandparent, 47 years old. So somehow in our minds we think, well, grandparents, those are the people that are retired, they live down the street, you know, they, that's, that's, that grandparents, half of all grandparents are still working full-time. Or many are working part-time because of the, the economics of the times. So seven out of 10 have attended either a college or technical school. Many continue to work uh, outside the home for um, past others and other generations. Uh, we compute more than we crochet. Uh, we buy more and bake less. Uh, our hand-painted Volkswagen bus has been replaced with an SUV or a motorhome uh, and various things like that. There's opportunities for us to, to be involved in, in their lives and uh, in, in different ways. One of the scriptures we looked at yesterday was Psalm 71. Psalm 71, 17 and 18 says this. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, until I declare your power to the next generation and to those who are to come. And we don't know exactly, but it likely may have been David that wrote that, even though it doesn't say David on, on that particular one. But... We're in such a challenging time, and I want to kind of give us some perspective on, on where we are with the, the, the family structures, with the media, with our culture, and things like that. One person said this, your grandchildren need you, not just as a companion or a babysitter. God designed you to pass on a rich heritage of faith and life and to make a difference in their lives. One person said, I find that many grandparents underestimate the impact that they can have. And this writer says, I want you to reject the lie that says your best days are behind you and your greatest value to dispense large amounts of sugar to your grandchildren. We're not here to spoil kids or give them sugar and send them home. We have a mission. We have an opportunity. Uh, on yesterday's handout, there's a quote at the top from Tim Kimmel where he says, grandparenting is not another season of life it's a sacred calling, that we have an opportunity to impact another generation. And I, I love that quote because it really is. It's not just a season of life, it's really a calling, that we have a privilege and an investment with the time God gives us to do that. Well, what I wanna do is come down here to what I call the view from Mount Perspective. We're in the middle of grandparenting and it's hard and it's not always uh, easy to see what's going on around us, but. Where, how have we come to where we are? How did we get where we are? And Tim Kimmel uh, 
tells us more about that. Again, yesterday we looked at scriptures. We looked at Psalm 71, Psalm 78. Uh, we talked about the Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. It talks about passing on your faith to your sons and your grandsons. And that's where Larry Fowler with the Legacy Coalition was really impacted by that. It, it, even though we're now grandparents and we think, well, I passed on the baton, uh, you know, I'm all done. Uh, in the, there's a video series Larry does. It's called Grandparenting, Grandparenting Matters. And in there, he does a, a role play of this whole idea of passing off the baton. And basically, he's saying there's no baton. If you pass on the baton, you don't hand, in a race, if you hand off a baton, what do you do after you hand it off? You go stop, you sit down. Well, we don't do that. We don't pass it on and go sit down. We walk alongside of them through, on the track. We run alongside them and help them and coach them and encourage them to keep on going. So that's part of our role. Timothy was impacted by his grandmother and his mother. And a great example of a great, one of the greatest young men in, in, the, in the Bible was led to the Lord through his grandmother and his mother. And so there's many scriptures that talk about that. We talked to some about that yesterday. But through most of history, this idea of the extended family has been the model. Through most, for thousands of years, however far back we go in history, the, basically the extended family was the model. There's mom, dad, kids, together, and then there's aunts and uncles and grandpas and grandmas, and they all kind of lived in the same general area, maybe on the same piece of property, maybe in the same, same home. You know, back in New Testament days, a young man would get ready to get married. What did he do? Move off somewhere else? No, he added a room onto the house. And when he got the house done, he would go get the bride, and they would have a big celebration, and then they would, another guy would get married, and they'd add another part to the house. And so that's how the families have been. And, and many cultures today, uh, that's that way. But, but in our American culture, it's not that what, what happened. And, and one of the things you'll see on there under, just under the view of Mount perspective is the Industrial Revolution just changed family life so much. Uh, when the Industrial Revolution came along, uh, just the impact of, of dad and mother and things like that. So instead of working on the farm or in the shop, when the Industrial Revolution on, many, many men ended up going to the city to work and take on those jobs. Well, what happened? whole lot of those responsibilities dad had dropped on the mom. And the mom had to take on new kinds of roles and all kinds of things that affected her role in many different ways. And so a couple of fill in the blanks, not many on your sheet there, but pre-industrial revolution could be described, the elderly were described as respected. They were respected. And there's a, a, some reasons why they were so well respected. There weren't a whole lot of older people around in those days. People didn't live real long, and those that did live long were well-respected. Also, it had to do with literacy. There weren't a lot of people that had, you know, could read and write all that, and so a lot of information got passed on by oral tradition. And they would pass on the stories, and they would teach them things, and then the older people you know, had a lot of the wisdom. And so they were highly respected. And in many cultures of the world, that's still the case, but, but unfortunately not in our culture here uh, in our country as much. And so the idea of not only the, the, their age, but also their educational aspect where they would train and teach others, and so they were highly respected. But especially after the Industrial Revolution happened, things slowly changed. And a number of elderly people began, uh, in, began to increase and their value began to decrease because now more people were becoming literate. And we don't have to understand it from grandma and grandpa. You go read that book. You can find out about this and go to that library or go to that class or that school. 
And so as a result, some of the respect began to diminish. And a focus began to develop, especially in the 20th century, uh, on more of what we call now the nuclear family, where it's mom and dad and the kids, and they're right here. And well, what happened to grandma and grandpa? How do they fit into this? Well, back in the late 1800s, uh, some things changed related to, uh, to work and to money and things like that. Uh, there was a uh, chancellor of Germany. His name was um, von Bismarck. It sounds like the Bismarck battleship that was eventually named after him. Uh, and he noticed that so many older people kept on working, and these younger guys were ready to go to work. There's no jobs. There's no openings. So they began this process where you pay people to stay home. If you reach this certain age, we'll pay you to stay home, and that opens up a vacancy, and this younger guy can now take your place. Well, that idea kicked in in the United States in 1930s, and the same kind of thing where the Social Security system began to kick in. And so as a result of that, that many of the older people can now step aside, and the younger people, especially during the Depression, and those kinds of things happen. Well... What this did, it affected the family in different ways as well. At this point, many of the older people could now live a little more independently, and they could maybe, instead of living with the big family, they could move over here and have their own place. Well, that probably had some trade-offs of good and bad, but now the grandkids were no longer exposed to the grandparents you know, on a regular basis and learn their wisdom and learn their stories and learn their things. And so what's happened over the last century or so is we've gotten even more divided and more separated, that grandparents are now independently, you know, financially able, while earlier the whole family just kind of kicked in. We think of the Ten Commandments, and one of those is honor your father and mother. And the application of that, I think, is in three ways. Number one is when you're a young kid, you respect and you honor your father and mother. You respect them. Uh, and, and then later on, you know, you, 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 you help them. In fact, the, the Bible talks about it in 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy about taking care of your parents when they're older. That's basically, that's what honor your father and mother means when their parents are older. And that's what happened for hundreds and thousands of years, that the family would take care of the older members. And, but now there's Social Security and there's retirement plans and, and mom and grandma and grandpa moved to Florida or moved to Arizona or whatever, and they're no longer close by. And so that's changed the dynamic of that because they're now independent. And one of the things you'll see on your handout there, uh, just two, uh, two fill in the blanks on that first page. The view of grandparents be before the Industrial Revolution was respect. Uh, in the 1930s, uh, as some uh, people have written, that the grandparent view after the post-Industrial uh, Revolution was burden, to fill in that second one, it was a burden. That, that they would be uh, there, but then some of these economic systems began to kick in. But there's been this struggle between, you know, the extended family where we're all helping each other and they're together, but now everybody's becoming more and more independent and living in different places and taking care of, uh, of, of themselves, uh, doing that and becoming more and more independent. And so for in some cases, like on the second page there, as you come down, uh, that there's a closeness, but yet there's a distance, that there's a, an element that, that talks about that uh, Tim Kimmel talks about that. There's some others that talk about that as well. There is a closeness, but still there's a distance. And so what's happened as grandparents have now realized, hey, hey, we aren't as vital in the family as we used to be, and we're on our own over here, that eventually 
they're beginning to search for a purpose. So the fill in the blank on the second page is they're searching for a purpose. And Tim Kimmel develops this quite a bit in, his, uh, in, in their book. And so what's happened is that grandparents are looking for something to do. Uh, maybe they don't need to work anymore. Now they've got limited involvement with the family. Uh, and the attention is then turned instead of outward begins to focus inward. And that many people in our culture, without God, without a biblical perspective, you know, I mean, in the 60s, what was the slogan? You know, look out for number one. You know, that was it. And many of those same people are saying, well, look out for number one now. And so we're just going to kind of live our life and our grandkids, good luck on them. And we'll see them at Christmas and we'll send them a check at, you know, on a birthday or whatever. But they're not engaged with their families. And, uh, and that's something that our culture is used to, but we as believers uh, have, have God's word. Because of the new role of grandparents, Tim Kimmel says, was not clearly defined, it became viewed as a frill of not being essential to the functioning of the family or the growth or development of the children. Uh, grandchildren themselves feared meddling in their children's or grandchildren's lives. So you know, we don't want to meddle, we don't want to impose, and so they kind of pull back and, and that's understandable. We don't want to impose with any of our kids or, or their families and do that. And so what eventually developed is, and you can, here's another fill in the blank, grandparents became seen as companions. That grandparents are just companions. They're, just, they're kind of like older friends. And so that's one of the fill in the blanks on your second page there. Uh, that the grandchildren, because they're uh, not seen that way, a guy named Josh Mulvihill, you may see his name if you go on the website of Legacy Coalition. He did his PhD work on the role of grandparents in the Bible. And there really had never been anything written on that. And he, he couldn't find any dissertations on that in the seminaries or anywhere. So he did kind of original work. You can see his books on there. And one of the things he came up with, he began to study current literature for children and how, how the current literature for children views grandparents. And he came across titles of books. Here's a title of a book. Grandmas are for giving tickles and grandpas are for finding worms. Grandmas are for giving tickles, and grandpas are for finding worms. You know, basically, that's, that's the role grandparents have from some people's perspective. And so this idea that grandparents are just kind of older companions to kind of spoil the kids, to have some fun, to play with them, take them out maybe and do some fun stuff, but that's really all the, the, the role that they should play today in, in our, our, our culture and so what he says is grandparents adjusted their value system based on the place and purpose in society that gave to the elderly. Values shifted from leaving a family legacy and a financial inheritance to a pleasant retirement experience. And the bumper sticker, we're spending our children's inheritance. You know, it, when you see that once in a while, you kind of chuckle. But in some people's minds, that's kind of where their mind is. You know, we're not engaged with the kids. We're not engaged with the grandkids. We're kind of just on our own. And, and doing that, and, and they're not engaged in that particular way. But uh, he says, grandparents who have embraced the role of companion <clears throat> often hold these three values, closeness at a distance, pleasure without responsibility, and non-interference in parenting. And so he says, American society has rejected the historic role of grandparents as authority and placed the, replaced this role with a new role of companion. And so 
as grandparents are realizing maybe they're not needed or not wanted as much in families, what do they do? Well, they start indulging on themselves and they just kind of live their lives independently from their families and uh, they don't see a particular thing that, that they need to do related to that. Josh Mulvihill says this, the historical role of grandparents in the home has, has not disappeared. It's just been replaced. Did you catch that? The historical role of grandparents in the family has not disappeared. It's been replaced by other things. In the absence of grandparents, these functions have been taken over by surrogates who have no personal, lasting, or emotional commitment to their children. The surrogates include teachers, peers, psychologists, media, pastors, celebrities. Sunday dinner at grandma's house has been replaced by Sunday dinner at the restaurant. Gathering around the fireplace to hear stories of the past has been replaced by gathering around the television set to watch a fictional story created by a stranger nobody knows. Dropping grandchildren off at dropping a grandchild off at grandfather's house has been replaced by dropping the grandchild off at the daycare center. Grandparents who abdicated their role have created a void uh, that has been filled by others. And Tim Kimmel, again, challenges us. He says, too many grandparents have not figured out that their most productive years for the kingdom of God could be ahead of them. And for whatever we've done for the kingdom of God up to this point, by the grace of God, has probably had some impact on some people's lives and maybe in ministries or things we've done. But there's a whole nother potential ministry that we have with people we love as well, with, with our own family members. And that could be just a, a very, very fruitful ministry there. So the question is, is grandparenting an opportunity or an obstacle? In many people's worlds, it's not an opportunity. Maybe it's just, you know, time to hang out with grandkids and do a few things fun and spoil them and, or maybe uh, uh, do things with them. And so we as those of the faith and want to pass on our heritage of faith, uh, that we need to have a whole different perspective on that. And so, as Tim Kimmel says, are we backing away from our responsibilities or are we stepping forward and, and being more intentional in the things that we can do? And one of the things he says, he says, one of the main reasons we have grown into a world with so much disconnect between older and younger generations is the older generation is stepping back from playing an ongoing relevant role in their retirement years. Mandatory retirement has created a parenthesis to many retirees where they stop growing, they stop contributing. The primary point I'm making, he says, is we're trying to make here is that we've all got to be careful that we don't let the world system define our retirement years. We should let God make that call for us. God never meant for us to see our twilight years as a time to put our lives on cruise control and not be involved in making a significant difference to the people who matter to us the most. He never meant for us to put our last few decades of our lives uh, aside to hit the pause button and to stop our upward climb of emotional maturity and spiritual responsibility. If anything, retirement is a time to step up to a greater responsibility of being a patriarch and a matriarch, wisdom hunters who set a great example, who offer unfettered love with a humble and winsome character to their larger family. And he says, 
We need to see our children as a divine opportunity, our grandchildren as a divine opportunity to play a role in their lives. The opportunity for grandparents to invest in their grandchildren's lives has never been greater. And so God has given us many opportunities to do that. There's basically a fork in the road for us as grandparents. You know, we can just buy into the world's culture and we can say, you know, I'm just going to be an average grandparent and get involved when I can and send a card and see them at Christmas or whatever. Uh, or we can choose to be more intentional. We can choose to, by the grace of God, Lord, help me know what I can do to help pass on a heritage, to be involved in the raising and building. Uh, this scripture up here was a fork in the road for the people that came uh, uh, through the, the wilderness and went into the promised land. Joshua's at the end of his life. They've conquered the land. They're getting ready to, to settle in there. And Joshua, at the end of his life, he says, folks, we've got a fork in the road. And he says, if it is a disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in those whose land you are now living. But as for me, go ahead and read that last line with me. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And by the grace of God, you know, may that be what our heart is. In this season of life, many of us have helped raise our kids and done the best we could to raise them to know the Lord. Some have done so, and maybe some haven't yet. Uh, but we have opportunity for a whole new generation now of grandkids that are coming up. And by the grace of God, you know, may, may we, like Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to share with you some where do we go from here's. We've talked about some roles we can play. We've talked about kind of where we are in the midst of all of this culture and counterculture stuff that's going on. But I want to just show you uh, some ideas of what we could be doing. One of those is encourage you to check out something called the Legacy Coalition. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but there's a ministry that was started by a guy named Larry Fowler. Uh, he was in Chicago. He was uh, on Awana ministry staff for like 30-some years. And his kids grew up and started having grandkids. And he was reading in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, where it says, And pass on your faith to your children and your grandchildren. And then he began to read Psalm 71 and 78 about passing on this. And he started this ministry called the Legacy Coalition. And he gathered all kinds of really sharp people uh, and they developed this little ministry. It's not a big time organization. I, think, I don't think anybody gets paid any money. Everybody's kind of just volunteer. Uh, but they, they do several things. And among the things they do, uh, they're trying to do some teaching. They're trying to help people catch the vision of the roles that we can play. There's a new DVD series that they have. It's called Grandparenting Matters. Grandparenting Matters. It's about six, I think it's a five or six part video series where Larry teaches for like 20, 25 minutes. Then there's a workbook you can follow and answer questions and talk about it in discussion. Be great for a small group. It'd be great for a Sunday school class or an ABF or some kind of a, a gathering. Uh, and so it's worth checking out. They've just updated it, like literally this month. It's coming out any day now, the updated version. The other version was great. The content is terrific, uh, but it's really, really good. So consider that and check into that. A second thing that they do, and I mentioned this yesterday if you were here, is they have a thing called Grand Monday Nights. Well, what's that all about? It's a one-hour webinar. It's on, it's many, most of us were on Zoom during, during the pandemic. It, you, you get the link on the website of LegacyCoalition.com, 
and they will send you the link how to get on this webinar. And it's a one-hour webinar. People all over the country get on it's, it, it. You have to figure out the time zones. I think it's 7 o'clock central time, so it's like 5 o'clock Pacific time, if you're in, and many of you are from different parts of the country. But you can figure out what time it is. And the good news is you, they keep it on their website. You can, they keep the link out for a week. So in other words, if, if Monday night at 5 o'clock on the Pacific time zone isn't working for you, you can go back on Thursday night or Tuesday morning or any time, whenever it's up there. And they've, they've now archived like about 80 of these on their website. And so they've had great speakers. In fact, I mentioned yesterday, I think last Monday night, this past Monday night, was that yesterday? That was yesterday. I've lost track of what day it is. Sandy Patty was on there. She was being interviewed about her involvement with grandparenting right now. And they've had some great, well, some are well-known people, some people you've never heard of in your whole life, I've never heard of, but they are doing amazing things and they've got another perspective and ideas and, and just some great, so some great things on there. So Grand Monday Nights, it's on there, it's free. <clears throat> you can go on and, uh, and join. The third thing they do every year, and except for pandemic years, they do a national conference on intentional grandparenting. They call it the Summit. If you go on their website, go to the top and click Summit, and uh, about four years ago, they held it down in Fullerton. And I was there with about five other, four or five other people from our church in Visalia. And we were there, and we came back so impressed and so encouraged. We wanted to start a grandparenting ministry at our church in Visalia. And we did. We started that. We brought in a guest speaker, and we had, had classes. We showed the videos on, you know, uh, over a period of time. So we were very inspired by it. But this year, it's in Florida. I don't expect many of you to go all the way to Florida to do that. But the good news is they're trying to expand the ministry. And it's not just, well, a 1,000 people will go to Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. They want to expand it all over the country. And so what they've done, they're live streaming the conference now. Last year, our church in Visalia was a host site. And there was about 100 host sites all over the country where they feed in the, the live stream feed. And they, they can actually adjust it by time zone. You can have it whenever you want it. You don't have to be on there when it's on the East Coast. You know, you're getting up at 6 a.m. to get that's the thing. But you can adjust that at your own church. So your own church could be a host site or get on the website and find out where the closest one is. And now I know uh, there's going to be one in Monterey. Um, there's one in Fresno. There's one in Modesto. If you get on, there's a map on there. There's quite a few on the West Coast. And, uh, but just kind of check out, some of you are from Arizona, check there, Colorado, wherever. But go on their website, and they're continuing to add more host sites. But I would encourage you to check it out. And, and you can list, see the list of the speakers. They've got John Stone Street, who is the director of the Colson Center. They've got Tim and Darcy Kimmel, who wrote this book, by the way. Uh, they're going to be speakers on there. Uh, during the pandemic, they had David Jeremiah lined up, and then he had because that got canceled, he couldn't get back in the, his schedule. But, but they bring in some really top-notch people to speak and on different issues. They do some breakout sessions. So, uh, so just to be aware of, of that. Well, the, the last page on your, on your notes is a song. And some of you may have heard it before. And it's called Find Us Faithful. I think I heard it years ago, but not too long ago, I heard it again. And it just, just really hit me. And the words are profound. The tune is beautiful. And uh, I wish I could sing it for you right now. I'm not going to sing it for you. But what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to play it. I've got it on my phone. And I'm going to play it here in a couple of minutes. But let's just kind of just look through the words for just a moment. The, the idea is we're, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of people that have gone before us. I mean, there's generations of our parents and our grandparents clear back to the 
you know, the great cloud of witnesses in the book of Hebrews. You know, there's, our, we're part of a movement. We're part of something God's been doing for, you know, at least the church 2,000 years and, of course, beyond that. We're pilgrims on a journey on the narrow road, and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful. It just reminds me of, of Hebrews chapter 11. It just really hits me. It's very powerful. And then it talks about, you know, what's our life going to be? When, look at the last verse. Uh, we've, we've just moved, and so we're going through our stuff. Anybody move in the last few years here? It's pretty hard going through all your stuff. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues that they discover, may the memories they uncover, become a light to lead them on, on the way. And so someday, that day's going to come. And they're going to start sifting through our stuff, and they're going to start looking through the memories and the pictures and the box of stuff, and why did Grandpa do this, and why did Grandma, what's that all about, that we hope that when they go through our stuff, that they'll find some clues, and they'll see some reasons of our, of our faith. And so this is a beautiful song, and I'm going to hopefully be able to play it through my phone here. And so I want you just to meditate on the words and let the Lord speak to you through the song. It's a Steve Green uh, you can find this on YouTube, and if you want to listen to it again, you, you likely will. But uh, let me go ahead and...
We've got about four or five minutes before we close. Um, I'm going to close in prayer for us when that time comes. Let's take the next two or three minutes and just process what the Lord's teaching you or maybe something we've talked about or maybe that song, what it says to you or certainly you. Let's just take a minute or two. What, what, what's the Lord speaking to you about today around this whole role of grandparenting? Thank <laughs> you. 